0: served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord you uh, we begin to look and you go wait a minute here he's beginning the journey and he tells them very simple he says serve you the Lord and uh, notice verse number 15 and it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And for the Lord our God, he is, it is, that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in the way. Wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, whom even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. And incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. Now I want you to notice as we've been taking the journey down through, and you look, and, and so uh, as, as we look, there's a, a couple of principles that we looked at. First of all, God said, I challenge you to move uh, on, uh, based on my demonstration of care. We, uh, we were there last week, we, I challenge you to move on the demonstration of care. God reminded them of three things. He said, based on the way that I've prospered you, based on the way that I've protected you, and, uh, and so based on what, the way that I've prospered you, the way that I've protected you, based on the way that I've provided every single need in, in your life, why in the world wouldn't you uh, want to give more and move on and be all that I want you to be? Be all that I want you to be. Then secondly, we said that, that God asks us to move on based on his demand for commitment. Based on his demand for commitment. And uh, this was a threefold commitment. If we uh, were to move on and get on a, a higher plane and reach a, a higher level, God says that it must be a, a commitment to a new way of worship. It must be a commitment, a new commitment and a, and a new zeal for God's work. There must be a commitment to witness to the nation round about you, about the, the true and a living God. So only then can you move on. Only then we've got to make that commitment. And then thirdly, we talked about, uh, uh, we move, uh, today, tonight we're going to talk about moving on based on a decision of certainty. Verse number 15 in chapter uh, number 24 in the book of Joshua, he, uh, he says this, and, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day. Now, if we're going to serve God, if we're going to be all God wants us to be, he says it requires a decision of certainty. Now, uh, you have to want it. You have to make a, a specific commitment to it. It will not just uh, happen by osmosis. I, uh, For those of you that are old enough, there's many of you, you're just not even close to old enough. I remember 1980. Please, no, no no heart attacks there. But there is something special that happened in the sports world in 1980. They called it a miracle. They sure did. They called it a miracle. happened in, in uh, upstate New York. It was the 1980 Olympics. In the United States of America we had pride in our country and those boys went out and they were boys playing hockey among men and uh, it's one of those you just kind of you shake your head and you go what happened well it was uh, they were up four to three it's the last period and those boys took it all the way to the end of the game the announcer asked it's probably the only time you've actually heard a, uh, a, a an announcer make a statement that was theologically correct when he made it. Do you believe in miracles? <laughs> was the question that he asked in the closing seconds of that game. <clears throat> you look at it and you go wait a minute here. There was a certainty. I really thought it was interesting. I watched here not too long ago. I actually watched the uh, uh, there was a movie made about that just several years later um, of that time frame and and uh, the uh, the, uh, uh, the coach um, and his speech before that game. And uh, if you're ever curious, you take a trip on Google, and you'll figure it out, and you can see it. And it was really kind of interesting because he just told those boys, go get it. This is yours. There's only one day that matters, that you need to be a champion. Today's the day you need to be a champion. Today's the day you need to win. Joshua, very simply was saying something very similar. He said, as for me and my house today, we're going to serve the Lord. And it's a decision we make each and every day. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what everybody else is going to do. Joshua was, was putting the, the, the challenge tool. And so, number one, notice he says you can serve the gods of your fathers, the, which your fathers served. That's the gods of tradition. He pointed out to him when he says, serve God because your fathers served God. Or your mother serve God, or serve God in the same way in which your forebearers serve God. You can go through the motions of tradition and and ritual form, but you'll never move onto that new plateau. You'll never move to the higher ground. Notice that you'll be caught in the ritual and the tradition that'll be the, the, the same day after day, month after month, year after year. And now there are good traditions, there are bad traditions. Even good traditions can become bad traditions if they become a rot that we get in. A rut that we, we find ourselves in and we're not experiencing joy, new power, new victory. For example, where's the, the last person we won to Christ? Where's the last person we won to Christ? When was it? How long ago was it? Well, like they said, of uh, I'm showing age tonight. I, I, I noticed my illustrations. And he says, Wolf Branchill said, that's, the, uh, uh, that's too long. When's the last miracle God performed in our life? When's the last one? You look and you go, when's the last time, the last time we really felt the joy of the Lord pumping through our veins? You say, there it is. The joy of the Lord is, is our strength. You see, when we depend on tradition, we can never move beyond that tradition. Now, we have some great traditions. You look back and you go, there's the uh, traditions of, of soul winning and and uh, it needs to come back. That's one we, we need to make sure we don't ever cast off. And the tradition of, of honoring God's word, that's a tradition we never need to, to let go of. It's an honoring God's word. And, and uh, the message never changes. The methods can change, but the message never changes. In our lives, we naturally uh, built by God to move on. God made us not to be comfortable. God made us to achieve. He made us to dream. He made us to plan. So God says, if you're going to move on, there there has to be a decision of certainty. There's got to be a decision of certainty. And, and you have to say, I, I'm not going to be content with my life just going through the same things, the same old, same old, and say, I, I'm serving God, but there's no joy, there's no power, there's no victory. You know, the only testimony we can give about our life is, is that we were saved 40 years ago. And if that's the only testimony that we have, that's not much. I want to see what God's doing today. I want to see what God's doing today. People want to know, yeah, when you got saved and and that you're going to heaven, but what has God done lately? What has he done lately? See, our testimony needs to be that fresh uh, that we talked with God today, that we've been with God this this morning and and through the day, that we've experienced his presence uh, through the day. But he said, you don't have to do that. You can serve the God of tradition. You can be content with the past experiences, the past victories, the past ways. God just may have something brand new and glorious for us and that we've never experienced. And we're going to miss out. Joshua was telling me, you're going to miss out if you just serve tradition. Now, most of you know, I, I am without too much trouble. I don't have a problem claiming I'm a Baptist. I have not an issue there. I am a Baptist uh, through and through. I, uh, I, matter of fact, I, I, if I tell you the stories with me, I, I, I go through and I look at folks and they take their name off the church, They're the identifier, and I have to be honest. People have been doing that for the 30 years of my ministry. I've watched friends of mine that have taken Baptist right out of the name, and I go, why did you do that? What's wrong? Why are you afraid of doing that? Why are you afraid of the name?" Why, what is, the, what is the, the, the concern there? And uh, why is that? And, and I look and I, I can ask so many questions, but I'm thankful that there's one thing that I can be sure of, and I can say I'm glad. We need to be sure that we're not serving Baptist tradition. As much as I love being a Baptist, I need to make sure I don't serve Baptist tradition. See, I, I like the fact, when I do my, my, my history and you start studying history. I happen to like the Anabaptists. That's where we came from. Folks go, Well, we came from the Protestant. No, we didn't come from the Protestant church. You know that we came from those folks called Anabaptists. You know what that means? Rebaptizers. Rebaptizers. That's somebody goes, Oh, Baptists been crazy for a long time. That's the easy way to define that. You go, that uh, you know, Pastor, really, you 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 come along, but you know what the reality is is, is we need to uh, we're, we're uh, if we're not careful folks will get to serve in tradition but they won't think about doctrine and i believe the most uh most of the time nearly all of the doctrines I, I can think about that that we walk through and uh and i can say i'm proud to be a baptist but we must just serve the god we must not serve the god of tradition some things are so traditional. If we've, if we don't do so or do them, people will think we've denied the virgin birth of Christ. I go, oh no, 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 no. I, uh, it's amazing. Churches grow so traditional. They grow dry. They grow old. They grow cranky. They uh, they grow obnoxious. You realize that's not like the spirit of Jesus. Jesus talked to the Pharisees about that and he said you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. He said I've come to bring something new. They were serving God in a way that was drudgery. They were they were in a rut. You realize a rut is, is nothing more than a grave with the ends kicked out. See when the church does not go uh, and, and grow it will dry and die. It uh, that's not what we want for our life. That's not what we want for the life of our church. And We can serve the God of tradition. Secondly, he said, you can serve the God of, of the Amorites, those folks in whose land you dwell. You look and he tells them, he says, well, you, you know, if, if you're a believer, you're not, uh, you're not living in your world. You're a citizen of this world. As a believer, uh, this world's not my home. You remember the old, the old song, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. I, I'm not here, I'm a citizen of this world, but, but I'm not of this world. Jesus said, be in the world, but not of the world. He said, if, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He said, the love of the world is an enmity against God. It's, it's a warfare against God. And when you worship the, the gods of, of the people of the land in which you dwell, you are doing something that's contrary to the nature of God. Believers are to be different. See, if any man is in Christ, what does he tell us? You're a new creation. We've been, been grown without that creation. The gospel drum is a different, uh, different drum than the drum of this world. You, you don't have to conform to the clothes of this world. We don't have to conform to the culture of this world, to the, to the talk of this world, to the, to the thinking pattern of this world. See, if we do, we'll die in our Christian walk. He said, you can do it. Serve the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. What are those gods? Those were pagan gods. Those were gods made of stone and wood and gods that cannot hear, gods that cannot speak, gods that that cannot see. Israel time and again went back to serve the gods and the people of the land in which they were dwelling. Walk through the journey and you just kind of shake your head going, why did they continue to, to go back to those gods? They kept doing it over and over and over again in the land which they drive. It was different in that day for somebody to worship a god that, and, and had no statue for that god. They worshiped a god they could not see with their physical eye. They worshiped the god whose name was holy. They worshiped the god who was invisible to them, who was, was a, a spirit. That was different. It marked God's people as different different the problem in churches that people in church live so much like people in the world that the world can't tell the difference they wonder why they should use an hour on Sunday and, and come and worship or, uh, and, uh, when their life is as good as the lives of those who do it's the question so many unbelievers begin to ask That's because many believers are worshiping the gods in the land in which they dwell. You know, what those gods are, those are the gods that have eyes but cannot see, ears that cannot hear, and tongues that cannot speak. See, the god of success, the god of sports, the god of recreation, the god of money, the god of materialism, the eye god. I'm going to do what I want to do. I got my schedule worked out. I don't want God telling me how to work my schedule. My time's precious. I don't waste my time. Folks, it's not a, it's not my time. It's his. It's God's time. And us also and we we pray for every need. See, what is it that he tells us to do? He tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I don't know about you, but that's beginning. That's starting point. That's where we go. Oh, there, here we go. And God said, "A decision of certainty." He said, "I recognize. I've been worshiping the gods of this world." And you realize, preachers do it just like you do. You say, "Preacher, you know what? We get up, caught up in the same things. That everybody else gets caught up in." We begin to die, we begin to dry up spiritually. And there's something about when the Lord Jesus is in our life and He's living through and through us and and you're loving Him more than anything in this world, you lose the desire for what this world has to offer. Whether it's TV, movies, newsstands, it doesn't matter. You lose your appetite for sin and and for the worldly things because we're consumed with what God has. What's God going to do? Loving Jesus. God moves us continually to a higher plane. He doesn't want us to stay where we are. He wants us to continue growing. He said, serve the gods of this world if that's what you want to serve. But you're going to miss a blessing. Going to miss a blessing. Now as we've been walking through Joshua, I would I, I, we've, we've really titled the series Journeying into Freedom and you know we've watched Joshua he's, there's been this roller coaster with the children of Israel through the book they've been working their way to freedom but they've gone backwards a time or two we've seen where they, it's been, been challenging once or twice and so as you begin to look you say there he is and they were really close to missing a blessing They were really close to going, oop, there. But notice third, he said, you can serve the Lord. Joshua said it very simply. You can serve the Lord. He he said, your decision of certainty is you can serve the Lord. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, he said, choose one of those gods. You can do so. But as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. He said, we're going to serve the Lord a decision of certainty. Now, I want you to see the the kind of of decision this is. Number one, I want you to to see the decision is a decision in our life that's personal. I can't make it for you. You can't make it for me. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I can't make the decision for Heather, and she can't make it for me. She'd like to, but you know what? I can't, and she can't make it for somebody else. And we walk through and we look and you go, there's, there's a, you can't escape it. It's a personal decision. Choose you this day. It's not what are others going to do? Yeah, I've, I've watched so many folks that come along and go, what's somebody else doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? But it's not what somebody else does. Start looking around and you will pick on teenagers. They've been this way for years where they're looking to see what everybody else and what all the peer pressure is about to do. Where's everybody else headed? What are they going to do? Well, as adults, we're not much different if we're honest. And you come along and you go, there's the picture. There's the picture. What's everybody else doing? That's what you're going to do, choose you this day. You can't escape it. You say it's time to make that decision. See, it's either to stay where you are, which means going backwards, or it's time to grow. Stay where I am or grow. See, if we don't know Jesus, then it's time to make the decision. Make that decision. Invite him in, right? You say, that's the... See, if we we don't make a decision to come and give Jesus a heart, come down the hill. You say, there he is, proclaim that he's a Lord and he's Savior. Then you realize when somebody goes out the door, where are they headed? They're out the door to hell. You say, that's a very simple decision. That's somebody who's lost that comes in the door. But you, you come along and you go, it's personal. It's a relational. See, you're, you're going to make a decision. It's a personal decision. If you let the Holy Spirit, he'll make it it personal to you. He'll, He'll make the message like you're the only one in the building. Some of you might remember. I remember when the Lord spoke in my heart. I remember the night I'm sitting down there on the second pew and I thought I was the only person in the building. That I was the only one that that preacher was up there on the platform talking about. I still wonder how that works. I thought I was the only person in that building that he was talking to I thought there was just the two of us and there's about 500 other people in the room and there were several other folks that come down the altar that night invite the Lord in but God has a way when the Holy Spirit gets pointed in on us speaking right there in our heart and our life it's personal I want you to also see. Secondly, that it's a positive decision. Joshua said, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." There were no doubts, no maybes, no ifs, no buts, no 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 second guesses. As for me and my house, we're we're doing so. We're serving the Lord. It was a positive decision. Well, we may serve the Lord. We've been thinking about serving the Lord. I've been thinking about it I've been aiming to do that I've been aiming to sing in the choir aiming to work uh, uh, in the church I've been aiming to to, to, to go to prayer and well I, I had uh, this' I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to preacher I've been aiming to come you know we have to come to a place where we say for God's sake why don't you quit aiming and pull the trigger? trigger it's a positive decision Daniel Webster so you I mean, have to think about that name for a minute great congressman great patriot great man of history he went into his profession he chose to go into the law profession somebody said to him don't you know that the the world is already overrun with lawyers he said yes but there's always room at the top you know there's plenty of room at the top there's plenty of room in the church for people who want to be all that god wants them to be all that god wants them to be we have enough folks to just say well i'm going to sit soaking sour you know it's easy those are those are easy things to do see if we really want to be something for god there's plenty of room it's stopping mean, I found out that uh, that you look and you, you, there's plenty of room and plenty of work for people that want to serve the Lord. There's room. You say, what is it that I can do? Just ask. You know what? Because we want to team you up. I want to team you up with the best of your talents, the best gifts that God has given you. I want to team you up with them. That's what our goal is. You know why? Because I know that you find fulfillment when you serve God in the area that you are best gifted, that God's given you. You find fulfillment. You know what? I, I know that that I find fulfillment, fulfillment in what God has gifted me in doing best. And so as God speaks and God moves in our life, we realize when he speaks up and says, Hey, I want you. You say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, and it's positive. Thirdly, not only is it a positive decision, but it was public. He stood before the whole congregation of Israel in the chapter, and, and uh, study when you get home, he's talking to, to the cream of the crop in Israel and the best from every tribe, and he stands in front of every one of them, and he says it publicly, as for me and in my house, we'll serve the Lord. Don't you know that had an impact? He wasn't ashamed of his decision. He he wasn't ashamed of God. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. See, there there it is. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. You know, we need to to stir one another up. We need to encourage one another. The Bible says, provoke one another to good works. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. And we all have gifts. There's more we can do, but... It has to be stirred up. Stirred up. You know, I've always felt one of the ministries that we have is, is, is uh to comfort and afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And you know, think about that. That's what preaching is really supposed to do. When we get comfortable. And I'll tell you, we need it more than ever today. We need to be to exhort one another, to encourage one another, and motivate one another. To build one another's fire, to set set each other on fire, needs to be public. That's what you do when you make a public stand for Christ. Whatever kind of stand it is. If it's coming to the altar, if it's making a a decision, if it's it's getting up and and giving a testimony, it's getting back and and, uh, going back, signing up and saying, I'm going to be participating in ministry, or, or it encourages somebody else. It encourages somebody else. You realize that part of what we did here just recently when we come around and you say, uh, "Was with all what we did up and down the street here and, uh, and witnessing and, and sharing and, and just being, being, being friendly. What were we doing? We're encouraging other folks. Hey, look at our church. This is a great place to serve. Look at who we are as we serve him. What a great place. You know, it's it's amazing as we we come along. It needs to be public. And that's what we do when we make a public stand for Christ. Whatever kind of of stand it is, if it's it's coming to the altar, if it's making public a decision, it doesn't matter, given that testimony, it doesn't matter. It's to stand up. See, I'll tell you what happens when you're timid. When we're timid about getting on our knees. When we're timid about making a decision as, as a Christian that God wants us to make. Or when we're timid about going up and, and doing what he's called us to do. Or signing up or getting involved in, in service. It, it, it dumps water on all of the programs. You realize we've become a, a bucket committee because we don't uh, stand publicly. or let We're not letting folks know where we stand. See, we need to be like that old grandmother in, in uh, the Civil War when the Yankees came. She met the Yankees with her pitchfork in the middle of the road. She met them there. Her grandson said, Grandma, get back in the house. You You can't defeat those Yankees with a pitchfork. She said, maybe not, son, but when they leave here, they'll know whose side I'm on. Not any question. She said, maybe not, but you know what? They'll know. Let the devil know where we stand. Let the people of God know where we stand. Let Jesus know where we stand. It's a public decision. You know, the greatest part about baptism is is it says, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. It's a public display of what God has done within our heart. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You look and you say, that's just it. It's making it public. It's saying, that's where I am. That's where I stand. I don't have a problem with it. And not only that, but it was a prompt decision. Choose you this day. Choose you tomorrow. Choose you next day. No, choose today. Choose today. Somebody says, oh, I'm thinking about moving and I'm thinking about taking care of this or I'm thinking about taking there. Don't stop thinking about it. Think about doing something for God. Let's get busy and let's do so. Don't put it off. Not tomorrow, the Bible says today is the accepted time. Matter of fact, Paul tells us to teach us to number our days. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. See, we look at it and you go, Isaiah said, Seek ye the Lord while he can be found. What does that mean while he may be found? You you mean there's a time when I might seek God and He won't be found? Yeah. That's what it says. There's a time if you put off your decision. You'll seek God, not be able to find. The Bible says no man can come to Christ unless the Spirit does what? Draws him. Draws him. Choose you this day. Why? Because we have to seek the Lord when he calls. He said, call on him. Call upon him while he's near. You mean there's a time when he's near? Yeah, there's a time like when you can sense the presence of God or or be motivated for God, or, or want to do anything for God. See, if we have in our heart to serve God, then praise him for it. Praise him. Lift him up. Don't complain about it. You realize the worst thing that God could ever do for us is, is to make us content without serving him. The worst thing God could ever do to us is just leave us alone. Remember when Jacob wrestled with the angel? That was a a fixed fight. That wasn't quite fair. I mean, if an angel can kill 185,000 Assyrian warriors, an angel surely could whip one puny little Jacob. Surely. I mean, come on. He wrestled with the angel all night. The angel kept saying, Let me go! Let me go! Some people are like that. Let me go. We're saying, God, let me go. Jacob said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. You see, that's the fight that Jacob couldn't afford to win. That's the fight that we can't afford to to win when you say to God, let me go. And God lets you go. See, then we're in a spiritual condition that no man, no preacher, no, no Bible teacher, no prayer warrior can help. The Bible said of uh, uh, folks in Noah's days that were so grieved uh, uh, the heart of God that God said, My spirit will no longer strive with them. See, don't you get tired of trying to get somebody to do something they know they ought to do? You say, Oh, preacher, here, let me help you, parents. Don't you get tired of trying to get your kids to do the things they ought to do without you telling them? Doesn't that just weary you? Doesn't that run you out of patience? You you just, oh, don't you get tired? Maybe you, some of those folks we work with just laying down and eh, just half-heartedly doing the job. They won't do what, what they're supposed to do or what you tell them to do and, Oh. Gentlemen, maybe your wife just won't do what you tell her to do. Oh, preacher. Sure. <laughs> they probably shouldn't do what you tell them. And Notice God speaks today and the decision must be today. Today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. It doesn't matter how long. We have to be here if people are choosing to say, okay. I remember years ago, somebody told me, the preacher, you like to preach. I do like to preach. I got long-winded a little bit. Imagine that happening too. Got long-winded a little bit and carried on. And I I said, I think it's time that we're just here as long as God wants us here. You know, I know lunch is coming and in the afternoon and early and we our, our stomachs are growling, but when God speaks, we need to move. We need to move. I remember several years ago, we were in a, at a camp and uh, I thought it was, it was one of the most unique experiences watching what God did. You say what do you mean, Pastor? Well, as God began to move, I've, like I said, been in a lot of camps, been in a lot of places and very unique because the music began. The worship began. the skits and everything that were planned, they were going, everything was moving. And it was very interesting because before the speaker ever got up to preach. The altar was wide open. You watch people beginning to make decisions. The altars were full of young people. I've actually been in two, maybe three camps where I've watched that take place. Before the speaker ever got up, I remember Brother Green was was down in uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. They'd flown him in from California to preach at at camp, to speak at camp. And he's he's standing there with his Bible. And before he ever opened his Bible, the altar was full. It's so funny. The camp director says, we'd love to hear you preach. But um, we're a little busy. Just dealt with young person after young person. Many decisions that were made for Christ that night. I don't remember how many, but it was out of, out of a thousand plus young people, the altars were just crammed full, emptied, watching God move. Like I said, several years later, we were at Lyft, and I remember a, a year where we saw something very similar. Same basic thing. Before the speaker ever got up to speak, God had moved right in. One of the most tender things about that moment is is the fact that they chose. When God spoke, they chose right then. You know, we've got to choose this day whom we're going to serve. Yes, Lord, to Your will and Your way. Yes, Lord, I want Your direction. I want to serve the gods of the last land. I don't want to serve the gods of the culture around me. I want to serve you, Lord. That's what Joshua was calling him to do. We need to say, here, Lord, here's my heart. Change me. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you do in our hearts and our lives. And I thank you for the way in which you speak. And, Lord, I thank you that we can just come with our hearts wide open saying, here, Lord, here's my heart, here's my life, take me, send me, use me, Lord, fill me as you desire. Grow us today. Your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Whew. Who's in Miss Heather's? Are you headed back?